he remembered, he recalled the saying, yeah, the oilum's a goilum, a lot of idiots out there. <laughs> and then what does he say? Oh. I'm going to stir, well, you know, I stepped in the shit, well, now I'm going to stir it up. Hello, and welcome to Yiddish Book Club, a podcast in which a Jew, myself, who knows practically nothing about Yiddish literature, talks with three people who know a huge whole lot about Yiddish literature. Uh, this is the second part of a two-part discussion on Isaac Bashevis' singer short story, Yentl the Yeshiva Boy. So uh, go back and listen to the first part if you haven't already. My name is Eric Klein, by the way. Joining me on the podcast in the order you're about to hear them speak are Faith Jones, Michael Wex, and Shane Baker. The essential problem for Yentl remains. How does Yentl, I mean, whether she's married or or not, whether she's married to a man or to a woman, the essential problem for Anshul is how do I continue to study? And that's not going to be fixed yeah. by being in any kind of marriage, happy or not, with either kind of gender. Yeah, and as, as somebody pointed out, eventually, as she starts to age, she's not going to be able to pass for a boy. Yeah. She's got no beard. She's got uh, no beard. There's, a, I don't know, There's a, there are questions again, like... Yen that's why it's a short Anshul's, story, not a novel. Yentl's or Anshul's intentions seem to seem to vary at at times like the she says well the whole thing is so that i can study torah but at another point basheva specifically says that that's a kind of a a kind of an excuse because the whole thing is really to get closer to a vigdor at a certain time it it, it goes back and forth uh huh. and then he also writes that she is sort of, um, I don't know if disgusted, disgusted might be too strong of a word, but she, she has no love for, for the stuff that, that young women are supposed to do. Like she, she, they talk about like giggling gossip that she's not into it. Well, I I have a question about that because there is this part where there's several parts where, um, Yentl is described as being bored by women's, what is, it's not poplari, but it's a word like that. What is it? Um, some sort of oh yeah, ployderayan, uh, ployderayan ploy um, of women, and so it's like the babbling or the I don't know how else you would yeah, that's what I was idle saying. chatter, yeah. idle chatter of women, and and Yentl's bored with this, and then uh, Yentl becomes Anshul, and for the first time Anshul is surrounded by men talking about men's things, and what are the men talking about? The men yeah, are talking chicks. about, <laughs> you know, where's the best place to get food because they're all starving students so they all you know they're all always bumming meals off of people where's the best way to get some food or um how can i get the make the best possible deal on a dowry for some wife that i could get i mean they're not talking talmud they're talking you know well at at, at that particular point jokes and then they start they they are talking about you know where the learning is the deepest and all of that but later there is a point you know early on at the inn you know they're talking about the learning is deeper in Poland than it is in the Lithuanian yes. yeshivas and so forth but at a certain point she does it quickly gar- descends to crude jokes fart jokes and, isn't there like yeah. a fart joke yeah there's they're making yeah, they're making crude jokes based based on Talmud. Based on Talmud, I'll give you that. But and I just thought, wow, you know, like is is Singer pulling our leg here? Like, is this 
supposed to be so much deeper than whatever the women would be doing? No, no. It's, I, I think the whole yeah. point is it's no deeper. Yeah. It's not. Exactly. But it's, she's you know, never been with guys when they were acting like guys. Mm-hmm. And remember, you know, in, in particularly, she's an only child. She has no brothers. Uh, right. The level of girls playing with boys in that world was pretty low. You know, she probably wouldn't have been, and especially, you know, at this age, I guess we're talking about late adolescence. uh, She would have had, as a girl, no contact with guys uh, in any but the most superficial social or business situations. And she didn't even have that because, again, she had, she has no brothers. And yeah, she's scared by how, you know, those rough, hairy brutes, uh, for sure, you know, they're, but that, that's exactly what, what would have been discussed, you know, what they would have been talking about when they were out of school. Right. Um, I do have a question about, like, the, the, to what degree Singer is, is comfortable with uh, the the potential homosexuality and all of that, simply because of the language, you know, oh. in well, the Yiddish, Yentl is very much concerned. You know, there's a point where uh, Yentl is saying, uh, Angel is saying of himself, you know, he became a let's, which is not just a joker, but it can also be a, a demon of sorts, of a very, you know, uh, an oplacher. That was created to make fun of people and to do and to pull tricks on them. I'm a Russia, an evil person, a Tome, uh, uh, an unclean thing, a Yerovam ben Navata, uh, a, a Jew who leads other Jews to sin. And this is what I am, all because I wanted to study Torah. Um, I don't know. I mean, the, the, the moral thing is that Anshul has to go away from all of this. There's e- even the fact that she or he is studying Torah, you know, or was taught by the father. There's an old saying, Drei Sachen hab nicht ken wert. There are three things with no worth. A goy was ken Yiddish, a Gentile who speaks Yiddish, a hon was kreet, a hun was kreet, a hen that crows. In a Freuvus Kentoira, and a woman who studies Torah. Well, it says in the Gemara there's a famous thing that a man who teaches his daughter Torah teaches her licentiousness. Snus. <laughs> uh, and this is, you know, again, the, the story is kind of proceeding on an unspoken level from that statement in, in Soita, I think it is. Yeah. Uh, and you can see, uh, you know, she would have been better off if she hadn't started any of this. Wait, really? Well, in the sense that, you know, fair. all the stuff we've been talking about, what is she going to do now? Like at the end of the story now. Right. But, but Where I mean, is she going to go? How much longer can she keep this up? At some point, yeah. biological imperatives have to take over. There's nowhere where she can go um, 
and so Streisand was right. She had to, yeah. She had to go to America. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. Singer hated that too in his uh, yeah in his New York yeah, Times right, commentary yes. on the movie. He thought that uh, that was the dumbest part. That it's a happy ending. She gets on a boat. Yes, and I think, I think we know she... there isn't going to be a happy ending for Yentl, and I and yet I think we also yeah. know that she is compelled to keep doing it as long as she can. Right. So she can't. She can't sit alone and with a book. And, and a writing, you know, implement? She doesn't know enough. That's okay. what's interesting. You know, and they make a thing that a Victor was a much more advanced student okay. than she was. That's why I think they still should have kept the three-way marriage going. Um, <laughs> but, you know, Shane's question about discomfort or otherwise with possible homosexual implications, I mean, what's interesting is when it comes up, overtly yeah you mentioned that earlier and i might it's it, no but it's just up. taken in stride mm-hmm. yeah i didn't i don't like, think i read oh that in the english God, so. he's a queer it's just like is this what he's doing mm-hmm. uh I and you know the implication of course is that a victor would have turned it down would have said no but it doesn't seem that it's obviously it's something that he, it was, I guess, around enough, or rumors of it were around enough that that was virtually the first thing he thought of. That's a really, uh, really... And they mentioned David and Jonathan. What's David and Jonathan? Well, it's a question. <laughs> <laughs> They're best buddies. And they might be just a little bit too close, if you know what I mean. It's a Bible. It's an Old Testament it's story. A, yeah, it says in the Bible, not familiar. Their, love surpassed, their love passed that of women. Oh. oh it passed it way by. <laughs> Left it but but at the same window. time, you know, despite the clothing, that that's still a, a straight relationship. Ultimately, I mean, on on a Victor's part, maybe there's a question. The only thing that really happens that's 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 actually, uh, 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 the you know, uh, biologically gay is is between Yentl and uh, uh, Hodas. Right, which straight, is between I mean, Hansel and the other thing. Notoriously comfortable with a little lesbian action as long as a man shows up eventually. <laughs> I know, this is why I, I thought it was a big fault of the story that there were not enough shower scenes. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I kept waiting. <laughs> so it, I need to ask if there's any more um, background that, that someone like me wouldn't know at all about um, how how male homosexual relationships would be viewed uh, in Jewish culture in say Poland in in Yiddish literature as well I guess it's uh, a big question I'd say generally fairly negatively uh, although yes. you know the extent to which these took place is something I don't know that we'll ever be able to determine right uh, it wasn't something that the people doing it were advertising. How widespread it was, I honestly can't say. Right. Uh, that it that it happened and that it was known to happen, that's well established. Even when I was in yeshiva, there were rumors generally about other yeshivas. 
Uh, oh, those guys over there, they're all, you know. Uh, but, you know, now some of these, in the wake of all the scandals about molestation and stuff that has come, that have, uh, these scandals that have come out in the past few years, turns out that a lot of these rumors were not completely manufactured. Uh, but these all, these scandals that are coming out also all have to do with uh, faculty members, with teachers uh, preying on their students. Yeah, a separate issue. Uh, which is a different issue. Among the students themselves, uh, like I said, it has to have happened. But I don't know personally of anybody, and I, I went to school with people who subsequently came out as gay, and none of whom ever claims to have done anything physical while in the yeshiva. But that, though, you know, that's a small sampling of, right. of those people. Yeah, uh, I mean, that's just right. anecdotal. I do know people who claim to have and probably did, and, and whether I can did. say Adis or not, you know, that's another story. But uh, and I'm sure uh, they did, yeah. But, know, I, I but the fact is that the culture, the religious culture, is very strongly in one stream, which is you marry and you have children and you live this particular life. And there are things that can happen on the side, but it's not going to be spoken of in any, you know, uh, there yeah. are ter there's terminology for it in dictionaries and Werterbücher, but it's probably not what they say amongst them. So, you know, there's Mischkevzacher, there's, there's this term, there's that term, but it's not, so far as I know, much of a documented culture. Uh, no, the, the, one thing, the one thing I remember is, uh, let me see your mill. Show me your mill from... Uh -huh. Uh, you know, let me see your circumcision. <laughs> so I want to take us back to the story again. And the moment where Anshul uh, decides to hit on Hadass is it's sort of the it's the turning point. It's where it's where the it's where the whole scheme that drives the rest of the story is hatched. Uh, as far as we know, like it just sort of happens there in the moment. And it also occurs to me when I wanted to ask this question that like that. Um, Anshul Yentl had a different choice that they could have made. Um, Yentl could have come out and, as a woman, married Avigdor and just, um, like, what, studied in secret, right? Got to, I mean, in all likelihood, he would have supported her, her intellectual pursuits uh, behind closed doors. So why couldn't they do that? What makes you think that? I don't know. It seemed like Avigdor was nice, right? Didn't didn't he almost suggest yeah. it at one point? Nothing to do with it. Nothing no, to do with it. it. But it's also, you know, instead of yeshiva, think of it as university. Yeah. Right. So I want to go to university. I can't go because they don't let women into the universities. Okay, I'll bring you books back, and you can read them yourself. There's no online yeah, learning. The singer says, <laughs> yes. Yes. Yeah, She can't get by without, uh, you know, without a place to... The library of books. To learn. Yeah. Well, the library, and also, she's not portrayed oh. as... She is at no point portrayed as being a particularly outstanding student. 
she must have had a hell of a lot of catching up to do. Mm-hmm. Again, Avigdor was helping her. Right. They weren't learning, and it's interesting, they never once used the standard yeshiva term for a person that you learn with, chavrusa, which implies equality. The term they use, and this may be just a matter of, maybe that's the term that was in use in that part of the world at that time, is shutif, partner. But a partner can be an equal partner, a partner can be a junior partner. Yeah, that, I think that that's telling. I'm, it, seems, uh, it seems legitimate to me. Yeah, so- yeah, a victor is, you know, actually... He may not be her only teacher, but it's through him that just as through him that she was able to get out of the inn without getting herself into, you know, some standard, you know, testosterone fueled fight. uh, He's getting her through yeshiva there. So that moment where Anshul decides to um, let Hadass know uh that that he likes her that's that's the point i want to go back to in the story because that's that's the mm-hmm. turning point it, the funny part is reading it in english it's confusing as hell because it's here uh it's on page of 156 of my uh isaac Bashevis singer the collected stories i don't i don't know how to uh number the number the paragraphs and get us there if you don't have the same book but but it says um uh Anshul was astonished at what she had said Hadass stared at her over her shoulder, which is the, the everything gender is completely confused. And you're saying that in the yeah. Yiddish, um, Anshul in the Yiddish, was always it's identified as he. As male. Yeah, it's always he. Which would have helped. And, I mean, the sense I got in the Yiddish is Yentl has taken on, so taken on the uh, role of of uh, Anshul that you know she's forgotten right oh and then Avigdor wanted it that way that was also well he had asked her yeah, yeah he had said I think you he said it at him. one point but it's very clearly listed know. it's very clearly explained as a way to bring Avigdor back you know uh, the, yeah the, he says he'll avenge a Victor, and and he will draw to draw Victor to himself because a Victor will never forget uh, Hodas. Right. So that's Anshul Yentl's plan to help to help their friend. I don't know how much it helps. It's not a plan so much to help at that point. I think. Hmm. Yeah, the end game is not clear I don't, at that well, it point. Hasn't, yeah, it hasn't been thought through, let's say. It's, uh, it's impulsive. Yeah, and that's, so that, that impulse, is it... So I'm, trying, I'm looking at that moment in the story, and it's vague. It's vague why Anshul Yentl would make that decision right then and there. And I'm wondering if it's also vague in the original, in the Yiddish. Um, Did she make that decision to... to... To try to marry Hodas? Yeah, because it's just right there sitting at the table, it seems like. Yeah, I think it is in the Yiddish. It is pretty much the same. It's not... The idea has been put in Anshul's head. 
But it's also, some of it is, it's you know, not, I'm, I'm looking at the Yiddish. It says, you know, uh, fear a victor is missing. That's Antoine Schutfin. You know, he's Yeah, high well, there, where he's gone, well, he's not missing, he's at the Chassidim Stiebel. Right, he's, right. He's the, his father-in-law wanted him to learn uh, elsewhere. They miss but, him. Or she misses him. But uh, here, I mean, it says uh, she comes out. She bring, you know, she's been lamenting, uh, uh, you know, what what she that is hardest has been lamenting. What's gone on with uh, with Avigdor, and that he's now remarried, and everything. And it says, uh, you know, he uh, Anshel Yentel tells Hodas, everybody likes you. Yeah. Right. She responds with, "Your grits are getting cold." <laughs> then he says, "I like you too." Farblift from the eigenverter, amazed at what's come out of his mouth. Right? And she and says, basically, true. how you talk, Tom Sawyer. And mm -hmm. he says, no, really. And then she brings him a meatball. Uh, only in a Yiddish story. Uh, I mean, <laughs> it's, it's, it's also an odd point, you know, the, that he brings it up to her directly. Yeah. You know, both she and the father say, no. You, she says, you talk to my father, you send a shadchan. And the father says, "Why are you talking about this to me? You, you, you send a shadchan. It's this Matchmaker, like, like right? modern love. Yes. Modern love doesn't really figure into the traditional uh, 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 scheme of yeah, things." But again, the the father does. You know, it does say the father is laughing. You know, yeah. behind his hand. You know, he's he's fine with it. Uh, but you know, what's interesting is he really seems to have been overcome by some emotion, which then, you know, a couple of paragraphs later, uh, where he's worrying about all the things we've been talking about, is here, it says, uh, from all of this confusion, a plan revealed itself. Only after he had made the initial approach, though, Tzanem and the Kuma, on a, uh, this is the part that Shane mentioned earlier, to take revenge for a, uh, on a Vigdor, and uh, he's not taking revenge for a Vigdor, but on him, and uh, pulling him, attracting him to himself, to Yentl. It's, it's huh. a question on the honor because for, because... a Vigdor is never going to forget about Hodas. It's, but it's a question, and maybe you can clear up on the honor for... I would assume Nemanikoma on a Vigdor would be to revenge himself on a Vigdor, but yes. they translated, depending how much Bashevis had to do with it, take vengeance for a Vigdor. The two yes. prepositions I know are Nemanikoma in, yeah. to revenge yourself on, and Nemanikoma far, avenge. So I don't know where on figures into that and if they translated according to Bashevis's intention or not. Well, otherwise, I mean, it doesn't make sense. Okay, if he takes, it says he's going to take revenge for a victor and attract a victor to himself because a victor would never forget about Hodas. That makes no sense, whatever. 
Well, well to revenge because she's do he Anshul, she Yentl is actually pulling a dirty trick on Hodas, you know, and on the family. So it would be in a certain sense a revenge for a Vigdor because the family rejected a Vigdor. Right, for no good reason. Yeah, but I think what but what she wants is to be with a Vigdor. If a Vigdor is married, yeah. uh a Vigdor can only spend a certain amount of time with her here and this again this is kind of what happens yeah. uh, a victor is you know married to a, an unsuitable woman who nobody in the village seems to like so you know she doesn't cook for you you can come and eat at our house she doesn't do this for you you can come here yeah. because he's the husband because Anshul Yentl is the husband he can make this rule, which would otherwise be totally, you know, the objections in the town and the objections of his father-in-law to having a former suitor, a former fiancé coming into the house are completely legitimate. Yeah. But Anshul can overrule that by saying, you know, I'm the man, I'm the balabus, I'm the boss here. Coming into, I, you know, I'll decide who's allowed in my wife's presence. Uh, but then, you know, you go farther down the same thing where he's going to take the same paragraph, rather, where he's plotting the revenge. Uh, and it said, you know, what is what does she know about man, Yentl? Uh but you could, you know, not Yentl, Hodas, rather. You know, you could fool somebody like this, an innocent Jewish girl that knows from nothing for a long time. True, Yentl, her, uh, she, Yentl, is also a virgin, but she knows a lot from the Gemara. Again, Shane mentioned, uh, Shane and Eric both mentioned this passage. And from listening to the way guys talk. Then comes a fear came upon Ancho along with the joy of someone who's getting ready to deceive, to fool a large, an entire community. He remembered, he recalled the saying, yeah, the oilum's a goilum, a lot of idiots out there. <laughs> uh, and then what does he say? Oh. I'm going to stir, well, you know, I stepped in this shit, well, now I'm going to stir it up. Hmm. It's almost, and, you know, again, Shane mentioned some of the demon stuff. This is very similar to the way some of the demons, the demons think in some of the singers' other stories, is here's a chance to make trouble. Why shouldn't I, why should I not take it? In the case of the demons, they actually have no choice. That's what they were created for by God. But it's also, it's exactly the same thing. Interesting. I I want to say that it's um, Yentl's, uh, she, she, it's like her right to stir, if she stepped in the shit and the shit was assigned gender roles in Jewish society, uh, and then why shouldn't she stir it? I mean, if she's been forced into a life that, that essentially makes her unhappy um, because she can't, she can't study the way a man would be allowed to then why shouldn't she also um you know make trouble for everyone else with their 
Well, it's all right for to study as long as she's not, you know, uh, I mean, maybe it is or it isn't, but that's her own thing. But once she draws someone else into it, then it becomes a real problem. And again, you know, the story, nobody ends up happy. Right. I wanted to I wanted to get to that, too. No one's happy at the end. I think I, I can't help but feel that a lot of these ambivalences in this or yeah, a lot of these ambivalences on Yentl's, we don't really understand what Yentl's motivation is in different places. I, I think that's because Yentl is ambivalent. I mean, well, I think, oh, yeah. I, I don't oh, think totally. this is exactly, I don't think this is unclarity in the writing. I think it's unclear because she's unclear. She doesn't understand what her own motivation is. She doesn't necessarily know so, which one remember, is she Remember, she's really about 18 years with. old. You know, she's a kid. Yeah. Right. By our standards. So, this is a teenager comes up with an idea right that you know she hasn't really thought it through yeah and, she do, well, she doesn't have the experience yeah. you know just the, the life experience you know I, I got a phd on life experience uh from one of those universities uh you know, she <laughs> can't see what the possible consequences of this would be right. so what do you what do you think faith about her not thinking it through I, I think uh, the story is unclear about what her motivations are because she is unclear about what her motivations are. And I think that's that's part of what I enjoyed about this story, actually, is how incredibly muddled everybody becomes. Everybody, every all their ways of behaving in the world become untenable once Yentl puts on a pair of pants. And I, I thought that also, was had her fa- Had her father lived... Uh, let's assume that her father didn't die, but had taught her Torah, etc. Anyway, what would have happened? Eventually, she would have married some guy. She would have had to stop studying, right? And they would think it was maybe weird that this Tadras taught his daughter Torah. And there might have been, you know, maybe there were people who would turn her down as a, as a potential bride simply on that basis. But I don't think it would have been a huge problem. And she would then have simply reverted to the regular, you know, roles assigned to, to women in that society. Yeah, and it's clear in the story that that would have She's, made her unhappy. Yeah, it might have made her unhappy, but she would have been in very large company. Uh, as far as that goes. Uh, but she would also, she wouldn't have had any opportunity. You know, there, there was this, this weird kind of happenstance. The father dies. She's clearly the only heir. She suddenly has an, is able to come by enough money. She's independent in a society in which almost nobody was independent. She is completely unmoored in the sense that she's got no family that we know of. She's got, while not wealthy, she's got enough money to get by on for a while. So that's not an immediate concern. And She's living in in a society in which you could basically, 
invent yourself, reinvent yourself from scratch by walking five miles down a road. Because nobody knew. Yeah, there wasn't Intellia, Spokio, or Facebook for them to check up on. Uh, Look, there wasn't telephones. Um, yeah. <laughs> you know, there, there was nothing like that. Uh, and this is, you know, so she, she, it's almost like a kid living out a fantasy, but then all of the, all those real life things obtrude. And that's the biggest one, because, you know, of course, if you sit down and think about it from the point of view of any adult, now or then, Jewish society, particularly that kind of Jewish society, is based, founded on one single thing, and that is marriage. An unmarried person was not, you know, after a given age, an unmarried person was not a person in the full sense of the word. This, of course, hasn't occurred to her because she's, she's just not been around long enough. What about, what about when Singer wrote the story uh, in the 1950s? Would that, that would have been changing at that point. Oh, this world was gone before Singer was born. Uh, this backward, this uh, this kind of thing. Uh, yeah, he's, you know, he's, this he is writes about going back to, to see his grandparents in small towns. Singer was born in 1904. Uh, I had a grandfather who was 14 years older than that. That's my grandpa's age, 1904, uh, 1907. Yeah, so sure, by our contemporary American standards, even the good stuff was pretty primitive. But by this time, there was telegraphs, there was, you know, there was developing mass media. Uh, you know, there's no indication of any of that stuff. Right. In now, obviously, some of this has been simply omitted because it's not immediately germane to the story. You know, they do talk about, at the very beginning, Singer mentions that the the servant the, uh, at, at Hadassah's, uh, not, you know, in uh, Hadassah's house is always reading storybooks. Yeah. So this suggests that they had at least, you know, people coming through uh, and selling these kinds of things, Parkenträgers. Or whatever but you know there's not a lot of knowledge of anything else of other ways of life uh, can we um should we talk a little bit about the translation sure I, I also want to talk about the ending so we could talk ah. about the ending and then the translation of the translation and then the ending I, I just wanted to say about the translation that um, it's true that Yiddish publications at times were notoriously prudish and um, they didn't like Beshevis being quite so explicit and stuff like that. But in this case, I actually found the English translation um, elided quite a few things. I don't know if um, 
quite a, quite a few times. I found that they just like I mentioned earlier the the sex talk um, on the wedding night is is rendered as you know being instructed in proper conduct. So you wouldn't know that that was talking about um, talking about sex. This and, goes here and that goes there. Right. <laughs> so I want. Um, <laughs> so now now I want to have a. I want to have a uh, on the spot word for word translation of the good parts. Right. And then there's a part yeah, sorry. And then there's a part where um uh a, a Victor no longer is coming to Pesha to um uh to to um perform the um the the blessing of having sex on Friday nights. Um and I think I think huh. on in the English it says he didn't perform the kiddish blessing. Yeah, no, that that's exactly what it said, and I like I made a small note of that in my mind. I was like, who cares? So there you go. <laughs> because the, the, he wasn't saying kiddish. Yes, yeah, so um, not sure what that was about. And then not necessarily with with sex, but did you notice at a point where it says something about you know somebody's been somebody accuses them of having tromped through Ferdmist and they say piles of trash in the English. Yeah. What's, uh, what's Ferdmist? Horse shit. Oh, okay. Horse shit. So I've got this back to toilet Ferdmist is actually horse droppings. You know, it's, it's not a vulgar it's word. It's not shit. No, it's, yeah. yeah. But it's, How funny. But it's not trash. Well, there are yes. a couple of those. There's one right near the beginning, which I just, I can't understand why they changed it. Uh, when uh, uh, Yentl first meets a Victor in the inn and she's being teased by these, you know, by these guys and somebody, I can't remember, might even have been a Victor, says in English, why are you sitting there like a violet by the wayside? Which, is this supposed to be a more colloquial version of the Yiddish? Which says, Vushemstisach v'akose in koit like a goat in the cabbage. Huh. Like, which, you know, I've got to say, is <laughs> just as just as uncolloquial as a violet by the wayside. Uh, <laughs> why would you change this? Uh, I like the goat by the cabbage image a whole lot more. Uh, yeah, you know, like, like the well, violet is, by the wayside, it sounds like he's flirting with her. He, Him, right? Like, that's, that's, why would you compare a guy to a flower? And, you know, I mean, sometimes, you know, they change the idioms or don't translate it quite literally, but ultimately it comes out meaning the same thing. Yeah, but the the <laughs> feeling is... But when they it, translate mincha is evening prayer, uh, when it's actually the afternoon prayer. Uh, that's just a mistake, then. I mean, an error. But it might There's, be an error. It might be, like I said, I, if Singer was involved in the translation, he had a very fixed idea of how stupid the American reader actually was. A lot thought. of things, a lot of specifically Jewish things got really flattened out. Right. So Cholent becomes Sabbath pudding. And um, what's the original flexible. thing? Wasn't Cholent. that Google became Sabbath pudding in here? But I no, I think it was. I don't know. Because I, I thought, thought it was said, the Because no, at some point of Skerotin is the Cholent. No, but no, but oh, there too. But Yentl at some point says, 
you know, I can't even make a kogel. Uh, yeah, the cholent is nicht geraten, but it says in the Yiddish. Oh yeah, her Sabbath pudding never turned out right. Sorry, yeah, and her chalado didn't rise. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah, it's a problem of translation in general. You know, these things that are very Hamish and natural in Yiddish might indeed require some kind of explanation in, in a translation. So you get when the guys are talking amongst themselves in the English, it's, you know, parodying the manner of a Purim rabbi declaimed a passage from Torah, adding and, all sorts of... Well, that also, that is a... That is a mistranslation. It's a mistake, yeah. That's a real mistranslation. He's not parodying the manner of a Purim rabbi. He's uh, rabbi parodies. using the manner of a Purim rabbi who is parodying a real rabbi, you know. Yes. What they should have said is just, you know, uh, mocking rabbinic discourse, because that's very colloquial. Mm. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, yeah. Uh, for instance, you lose also some of the, the immediate understanding that's expected of a Yiddish reader when uh, 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 a Vigdor, I guess it is, uh, is, is missing uh, Hadas. It says, uh, pardon, let me see if I can find the, uh, uh, it says, uh, it becomes Hadass, Hadass. <laughs> uh, she appeared in his dreams every Sabbath when her name occurred in the Havdalah prayer. He turned dizzy. Uh, uh -huh. uh, but uh, but in, in the Yiddish, it's just when Mishmek Tzua Hadass, when they smell the, yeah. The myrtle, yes. Yes. Uh. It's it's a little See, bit. They more should have changed your name to Myrtle, which would have rendered <laughs> the English an entirely different story. Uh, which is what Hodus means, in case anybody's actually listening to this podcast and doesn't know the. Uh, I'm listening, Michael. I'm listening. Please call with your complaints so that we know you're listening. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, geez, it sounds like they screwed it all up. Well, it's, it's actually not a bad translation. I mean, no, these are small points. The, yeah, these are small, the basic thrust. Well, I would say that the biggest, the biggest change was um, the switching gender. she to he. That changes he to she. Yeah. Yes. 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 Yeah. Yeah. Um, yes. Anshul is. It keeps being Anshul she. I'm actually going to go through my copy no and and fix it. So that the <laughs> next, so the second time I read it, I'm reading it at least that much better. And then. Um, why are you why are you sitting there like a goat in the cabbage? Um, I need I need that in my in my version. It's not okay that I missed out. Well, um, so the ending, the ending makes me think of two things about endings. Um, in in my culture, uh, two things happen. One, well, you know, things are changing, but you know, there's a there's a wedding at the end of the story, and everyone's happy. And in this story, there's a wedding and everyone's miserable, yeah. which I like that. And then the other thing about my culture, which has changed clearly, but it used to be that if there's a story about a homosexual relationship of any kind, um, that person must die at the end of the movie. 
And instead, I mean, Yentl just sort of fades, fades away. Maybe, maybe it is pretty judgmental, or n I'm not sure. But anyway, well, Anshul doesn't die, but they do name the child Anshul, which yeah. is As if he's a way dead. of saying dead. Yeah. Oh. As if he is dead. As yeah. if. Yeah. That's a very good yeah. point. I, that didn't occur to me that you would not name a baby after a living person. I forgot that part. Anshul is dead to them. Yeah. Uh, Interesting. But they're also um, not one of them. But smiles. this also suggests, I mean, at some point, you know, naming the baby Anshul suggests also that at some point, uh, a Vigdor let uh, Hodas know at least some part of this whole story. Oh, that's a good point. Because otherwise, you know, why would you name your baby after the husband who deserted, not only leaves you, but doesn't even have the decency to hand you the divorce himself? Right. No, that's a very uh, good point. So this suggests that at some point, uh, which is possibly why they're so unhappy at the at the actual, or so restrained, let us say, at the actual marriage. It doesn't say they're unhappy; just says there was no joy. Okay. Uh, that um, both parties, you know, uh, Victor and Hodas, now knew something. You know, again, when they come back the, the one thing that everybody in town acknowledges you know nobody knows what happened to uh to Anshul and there's all these different theories the one thing everybody agrees on is a Victor knows and he's not telling mm -hmm. and I really don't think telling your wife better you shouldn't know what happened to him let's name the kid after him is gonna fly especially when you're living off her father's money Yeah, I mean, I think I think this story is, you know, a lot of it is about the unknowability of men for women and vice versa. And mm -hmm. I think the story, um, the story story ends uh, in such a way as to leave Yentl slash Anshul still unknown um, to us as well as to the people in the town who who don't know the, the true story. Um, and I think it's that unknowability of this, um, you know, of gender. That's why the story ends in this sort of unsatisfactory way, because we don't know. And gender remains a mystery. Mm. Yeah. Great. I think we recorded our first podcast, my friends. Uh, did, was there anything else? Did anyone else have anything about Yentl the Yeshiva boy that they that they're holding? Speak now. One day I hope to read it. <laughs> <laughs> well, this has been fun. I'm so I'm really glad we did it. I look forward to um I'm gonna I'm gonna see about uh, a handful of other people in my social circle that I think were reading the story. Or if they haven't, they had intentions to read it, and I actually want mm -hmm. to talk to them about it. And we're probably only going to discuss plot, not um, Jewish culture. 
But uh-huh. it, other than that, I don't have any other plans uh, for Yentl the Yeshiva Boy. What What do you guys think we should read next? I don't know. Well, Shane had mentioned another singer story. What about Shane? Did you still want to do uh, Master Tishovitz? That or the last demon could be very interesting, kind of in contrast to this. Um, uh, I've done some work on Monish, which ties to those. I don't know. I'm open to whatever else. Maybe uh, we also want to look at some of the things that Faith or you have translated and put into English, you know, uh, uh, so that those are, uh, you know, for, from these other writers. So I'm open. But, but, those could be kind of natural follow-ups to this, either of those, and then move to a suite of things that your faith have translated, I'd say. No? Yeah, I mean, I was, I was actually thinking we might want to do um, Vinchfingerl next. Uh, we could. Uh, when is, I mean, the, the big problem oh, right yeah. now, that's quite a big when, book, isn't it? When is next going to be? Yeah. Oh, that's true. It's very long. It's it's long, and it has its longers. Uh, <laughs> who who wrote who wrote that story? Faith. Mandela. That's that's Mandela, and Wex translated it. And what's the English title? The Wishing Ring. Okay. Good one. The fun part about the Last Demon, there's only one short story between that and Yentl the Yeshiva Boy in the, the collected stories that I have. So so well, I would imagine that other people who went through the trouble of getting this Isaac Basheva Singer um, collected stories book could also read it. What's it called in Yiddish? Uh, Maisa Tishevitz. Oh, that's Maisa Tishevitz is the last demon. Okay. Yeah. I, thought, I th- thought they yeah. sounded close together. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I wouldn't mind doing that just for, again, we're going to get feedback on this one. And I'm guessing that some of it will not be positive. <laughs> uh, unless we have an entirely Gentile listenership. Uh, if we wanted to do and, another... Hmm? You know, Sorry. just to establish, you know, the best way to approach things, I, I would rather do that on something short than something long. Mm-hmm. Um, if we wanted to do another... Um, crowd pleaser we could do some tevia stories and the hundredth yard side is coming up if if it goes on we'd certainly want to consider that for uh, uh the, the not too distant future right well look because... we could always yeah look we could go from uh maybe do the singer and then do a shalom aleichem yeah mm-hmm. i translated a couple of those but i I can't remember which ones. <laughs> uh, they're in that Ken Frieden, you know, uh, anthology of short stories. I know a Hoddle and which other one. But yeah, we could do one of the, you know, we could just pick one. Because mm-hmm. uh, they're all, you know, I mean, the whole volume has been translated. Uh, I forgot something important or important to me. What What's a grass widow? Oh, and a so the chain saying. Yeah, so it, a gra- it's not a very good translation actually because a grass widow would be when all the men were away doing the harvest. That's the grass is they'd be off, you know, scything or something, the wheat. Then the women would be left home alone while the men sort of were off in other parts of the county off 
you know, uh, cutting each other's, helping each other bring in the weed. Uh -huh. So it's it's not actually a good translation. Yeah. Um, but it's, never, it's used also for a woman whose husband just disappeared. Is um, it? In English? Yeah, I think, Is it used I that think so. Like, uh, it's got a bunch of different meanings, I think. But uh, Here, here in Vancouver, it gets used a lot for um, uh, oh. women whose husbands are fishermen. And they'll say, I'm a, I'm a grass widow for a few weeks while the salmon is coming in or something. Funny. Yeah. Yeah, I'm, not, I'm trying to remember now what context it was used in. I just wrote it in my notebook. No, well, here it means, well, it's what uh, Anshul doesn't want to leave Hodas as. This I woman whose that. husband has, disappear, has disappeared. He might have left her. You know, it's still, every time there's a major European war, this is a big problem because these guys go off and you don't know if they've been killed, if they're prisoners of war, if they've simply decided to walk away from their old lives. And again, without these two, without two witnesses to their death, uh, the woman can't remarry. You know, and guys, you know, particularly during the big immigration periods would, you know, leave Europe and their wives would just never hear from them again. But these women could never remarry. And that's a grass widow? That's what they're translating as a grass that's widow. That's an aguna. That's not what a grass, a grass widow, widow doesn't have that kind right. of... So what was it in Yiddish in the story? Aguna. Aguna. Which, which is what you've been describing. Now, that would be a good book. The Aguna. The yeah. Aguna. The Grada. It's in yeah. English. It's a great book. It's hard to get a hold of the English. But Who wrote it? Chaim Grada. Spelled grade, G-R-A-D-E. Yeah. Chain grade. Chain grade. <laughs> Chain grade, thank you. That's what I needed. <laughs> now I know. Um, I got to uh, disappear. Uh, okay, great. Chain, uh, everything but... sounded great. Thanks for being here. All right, thank you. All right. Peace. Okay, thank you so guys. much. Okie doke. Well, good talking to you guys. Yes. I'm sure I'll do so again real soon. Yeah, thanks. Okay. Thanks so much. I really okay. I'm glad we did it. Yeah, well, thank you, Eric. And uh, and thank you, Faith. Yes, you too. We'll talk to you soon. And we'll talk soon. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Well, that's the conclusion of this discussion of Yentl, the Yeshiva Boy, on our podcast, Yiddish Book Club. Did you read the story? Do you want to talk about it? Send me an email at Yiddish uh, at send the email to Yiddish book club at gmail.com uh, reach out to us via Facebook or on Twitter although those things tend to be a lot more ephemeral but uh, we'd love to hear from you there as well you can subscribe to this podcast on iTunes to find out when the next episode is available um, also updates and that sort of stuff will be online of course at Yiddish bookclub.com. That's our home on the internet. Uh, we plan to read more Yiddish literature, and uh, we would love to hear from you what you would like uh, to hear discussed. Um, what do you want to read? Will you read along with us? Is that the sort of thing you're interested in, or you just want us to uh, read these books for you? <laughs> and then you can get your uh, Cliff Notes Yiddish expert version via podcast. Uh, we could do that too. So that's what I'm curious about. If you are an audience to this podcast, you listened to uh, two hours of us talking about Yentl the Yeshiva Boy, I assume that you must have at least enjoyed something about it. Please let us know. Let us know what you enjoyed. 
uh, if you are going to send criticism, I love criticism. Send the criticism. I'm ready to hear it. But first, at the beginning of your email, start with something you liked. <laughs> that's your that's that's my uh, that's my advice to you about uh, criticism on the internet is uh, start with something that is positive and then uh, offer your critique because you should know that we're people too um, and we have feelings be nice be nice to the people on the internet especially me <laughs> thank you so much for listening yiddishbookclub.com my name is Eric Klein on behalf of Michael Wex whom you should be nice to be nice to Michael on behalf of Michael Wex Faith Jones be nice to Faith Jones and Shane Baker be nice to Shane Baker be nice to everybody you know it's not just about the people <laughs> on Yiddish Book Club that should be uh, treated kindly. Treat everyone kindly, especially online. If you if you can't make eye contact, uh, be nice. Anyway, if you don't have anything nice to say, um, send an email anonymously. Anyway, that wraps up this strange little rant at the conclusion of the podcast. Uh, thank you so much for listening to the show, and we'll see you next time.